Hello, my name's Karen Freeb. I'm a partner at Bird and & Bird and I head our international hotels and leisure team. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking to Ina Plunian, who is with Cedar Capital Partners. And this is the first of a series of interviews that I'm proposing to do throughout the course of 2023 with inspirational young women from the hospitality sector. So absolutely thrilled to have Ina as our first interviewee. So starting with our questions, Ina, welcome and thank you so much for agreeing to do this today. Perhaps we can start by you telling me a little bit about your current role within Cedar Capital Partners and what it involves. Yeah, pleasure. And thanks so much for having me, Karen. Delighted to be here. So I am Vice President at Cedar Capital Partners, where I take care of both acquisition as well as asset management functions. And simply put, that means I stay with a hotel project from the moment we buy it to the moment we sell it and try to ensure that in the middle of it, we ensure that, you know, the business plan that we've drawn up for that particular project gets executed. Very good. And can you tell me a little bit about your journey to that role? Where did you study? What topics did you study? And what work experience equipped you for your current role? Yeah, so my background is very much in operational hotel management. So when I finished my IB, I studied hotel management at Hotel School The Hague in the Netherlands. And that course involved a variety of operational topics. And that, you know, goes from training in kitchens, restaurant service, reception housekeeping, and what else you have, um, as well as a full six month operational internship at a hotel, which I did in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia at the time. But it also involved sort of general business studies. You know, you have accounting, finance, HR, marketing, sales, but all of these topics always with a twist and a focus on hospitality elements of it. And it wasn't until my final year at uni, actually, where they allowed for a choice of minors, where I selected asset management and real estate in investment both of which I enjoyed a lot. And it was based on that experience that I started, you know, doing internships and hotel real estate advisory at the time, which was also a fabulous experience. And once I graduated, I therefore decided, you know, that that was the best route to go with. And uh, it all happened from there. That's great. So a really rounded tuition there. But I have to say the uh, work experience in Kuala Lumpur sounds like a very tough gig, Ina. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time, but it was it was it was hard work working on a on an Asian operational contract at the time. Yeah. Oh wow. So, what aspect of your current role do you enjoy most? So, the job that I do today, I think, has a lot of balance and diversity, which is probably what I like most about it. And what I mean by that is, you know, that my job today includes very analytical, facts and figure based elements with elements of, you know, human interaction, and that involves traveling, it involves working with the teams in in different countries across very different disciplines, you know, from, you know, operational teams to teams like the ones that you're running at at Bird and Bird. And there's also a lot of, you know, creative solution finding work, because that's that's what we do. We execute business plans and, you know, they don't always go to plan. Um, So we need to be creative in in how we deal with them. So it's a a good balance and a very diverse. Lots of personal relationships, which yeah. is great if you enjoy having that sort of interaction with, with people. Absolutely. And what do you see as the key challenges for women who want to secure meaningful business roles in the hotel sector? Because certainly my perception and the perception of many others 
who work in the sector is there are not that many women still. Yeah, so let's maybe start with the hotel sector, right? Which is a which is a very broad field in itself and includes you know elements of my work such as investment and asset management. It involves you know people in your line of business in legal services, but it also includes operational teams, people that deal with. I don't know, architecture, interior design in the hotel sector, advisory and and so much more. And I think the experience will obviously be very different depending on what organization you're in, what type of work environment in, what your line of business is and kind of the structures and culture that hang behind it. So I always find it quite difficult to talk generally about, you know, what what are the key challenges for, for women. But I think what I like to think back on is my own experience and career path and what's worked well for me to help me where I'm getting today that might not be the case for for everyone out there and I think if I do that there's there's two things that I've noticed is one that the first job that I got was an environment where there was a lot of female leadership representation in the team and my direct surrounding and the second one is is sponsorship that I received, both from male and female leaders, but this concept of, of sponsorship that I think I was very lucky to get that may not be available to, to all young women uh, when they enter in kind of the hospitality real estate field. So I'm happy to dig into that a bit more if we've got the time. We have, and I, I think mentoring and sponsorship are two very different things. Right. And whenever people ask me which of the two, what is the most important, I always say, well, mentoring is very important. And it was great what you were saying there about the the fact that you were lucky enough to have female leaders around you and female role models. But there's a general consensus, I think, that that sponsorship is the vitally important element in helping people to progress. I couldn't agree more, right? Because if if I think about mentorship, which don't misunderstand me, it's very important, right? It's about providing advice and, and coaching and, and sharing knowledge, which is, you know, which is a fundamental thing to, to happen as we all start our careers and as we progress through our careers. But I think sponsorship to me is a is a few steps further, right? It's about sitting down and strategizing with somebody about career. It's about, you know, connecting somebody to other people who could help in that career. And actually so much about, you know, advocating, lobbying for someone when they're not in the room, specifically when it comes to discussions, you know, such as promotion bonuses, you need to have somebody to to stand for you in that room when you cannot. And I think that, you know, that's important for all of us, but I do think that that's where it ties in with representation, right? We, we gravitate to people that are like us, so we tend to connect with people that are like us. So in a male-dominated industry, I think it tends to happen that young men when they enter into the field are more likely to get easier access to sponsors of that type so it requires kind of you know that representation on the female side of things to allow young women to get more access to sponsorship and a more natural access to sponsorship as they start their careers. I'm very glad that you mentioned that I and mean, from my point of view also I was very lucky to have two key sponsors one within my firm that I was with at the time as a very junior lawyer who was a woman in my head of department and the other one who was actually a male client who was wonderful to me and sent me work and moved the work with me when I moved firm. So those were two really key sponsors in my life. And I think it's something that firms and companies should all be looking at, I think, 
promoting you, as you said, promoting you and lobbying for you. Have you thought about Ina for that role? Have you thought about Karen, you know, instead of allowing you perhaps to be overlooked? So, and on the flip side then, what do you think are the most meaningful actions that companies can take to help young women to progress? It's the all-important question, right, when we think about that element of representations, right? How, how do you get more women into, well, not only the industry, but also leadership roles in the industry? And I think a lot of the times when starting that conversation about, well, hang on, we've got an issue with representation, we've got an issue with representation and leadership roles. A lot of the arguments that I that I hear, right, is that, you know, there's there's a limited pool of female applicants because, you know, the problem starts early in schools. It starts with the fact that, you know, at uni, when it comes to business, economics, maths, and real estate and finance courses at university, they're you know, there's not enough women that end up in those courses and therefore the pool is too limited for us to draw from. And whilst I have sympathy for that argument, because I, I have observed that dynamic myself, looking at hiring processes, and also agree that a lot more can be done, you know, at earlier stages, uh, before young adults are looking to, to enter the workforce. Um, I also think that there's more that can be done on the company side. Now, the, the easiest option that always gets discussed is, you know, oh, you know, quotas and, you know, putting ratios in place of women in, you know, leadership tiers. And whilst I can very much understand where that argument is coming from, the intent is coming from, I personally always also struggle with it because it, you know, will inherently kind of put that woman that got the seats at the C-suite table at a disadvantage of kind of being the quota woman not having deserved her place at the table when she very well might have and kind of begs this wider question of you know positive discrimination and to to what extent that really should be pushed so I do have mixed feelings about it but I do think you know there's so many simpler things that can be done to kind of have a more natural way to push representation. And I think one of the first things is just focusing on giving young female, but generally female colleagues in a firm, exposure. And this starts with simple things like, you know, you send them to conferences and panels, you give them access panels. to yeah, networking events, you, you know, you invite them to meetings, not to just sit there, but also to actively participate, have a voice there. Let them conduct interviews, especially when you have young female applicants, so they can, again, idea of representation, see that there's others like them out there. So I think there's there's a more simple set of tools that we have to more naturally start that progression towards representation. It starts with exposure and visibility. The other element is, is sponsorship. It comes back to that, you know, to, to get more people into leadership roles, people need to have sponsorship. And there's lots that can be done there as well, right? It's, you know, a simple inward look of, okay, who are our young female colleagues? A, do they have at least mentorship programs, formal or informal, in place? And if they don't, then let's definitely put those in place. But when they do have mentorship, asking that question of furthering that and how that can be done, which is also not simple, right? Because you can't really just ask, hey, Karen, can you sponsor this person that you don't really know or maybe don't you know, have a relationship with? But, you know, actively encouraging, building that relationship, asking mentors to go beyond just providing advice but also you know asking them to think about next career steps can you lend them a hand once you've established career goals to connect them to somebody who's done something similar who they might be interested talking to 
And from there, you know, can you kind of develop that relationship further into something that's like sponsorship? And I think that can be that can be advised by companies to to to, to sure. do that. Yeah. You mentioned, I think, importantly, panels. A criticism I hear a lot is that if you go to a conference like the Berlin IHIF, why are we again seeing five white men on a panel? Where are the women? I don't know. Do you think the hospitality sector gets a particularly bad rep? for its inability to find those women or do you think there's an innate lack of confidence perhaps with women who are saying well I'm not ready to be on a panel yet yeah I don't really want to do that put myself out there we're all going to have to do it more aren't we don't you think Ina Absolutely. I uh, I mean, it is daunting to put yourself out there. And I think as a generalization, women are mo- more prone to say, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready or I dare I'm to. I'm not sure I'm ready. Yeah. But giving exposure, right? You know, these requests, they go out to companies rather than individuals. So if there, if there can be just that push to say, okay, here's the three people we're able to consider, would it not be worth giving female colleague A for once the opportunity to present rather than the two other options that we have at hand, right? who have always done it, perhaps, and who should perhaps really be encouraged yep. to think about giving the opportunity to the to the new people, to the younger person. So what do you think has been your greatest achievement to date in deal terms? And which deal have you enjoyed the most? The two things might be different. One of them may have been very difficult, but... It's not an easy question. I think um, I stick with the first deal always sticks closest to heart. I have enjoyed most and was the greatest achievement ever, which for me was uh, the property we bought in Amsterdam back in 2019. It wasn't even that big, but it just felt like, you know, first and therefore biggest achievement. And did you get a lot of exposure to a lot of different elements of the transaction? So were you involved in the acquisition as well? Absolutely. And this is comes back to what I mentioned earlier about being very lucky to be surrounded by individuals that allow that. From the day that I joined, I was kind of allowed to be part of as much as I dared at the time, all all deal aspects and having and it's so important to have individuals around you that allow you to, to try and take those steps and try and learn and try and put yourself out there. Which is, you know, come which for me meant also that during those first two, three months biggest learning curve at at the company because I was allowed to you know try and put myself out there as much as I wanted and dared to at the time. So that's great having a supportive team but also a team there that you can learn from um, as you progress. So um, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you think are facing the hotel sector today? Uh, Judging by the last three years is full of challenges isn't it? Ever changing, ever evolving. Exactly look maybe thinking about what I'm most curious about for the year to come. I think there's a couple of very interesting dynamics going on at the moment where if we look at our own portfolio, but also kind of based on discussions with industry peers, a lot of hotels seem to have come out of 2022 with excellent performances, despite, you know, disruptions early in the year of COVID and despite significant cost hits to the PL that everyone's talking about in terms of labor and utility costs. Nevertheless, I think a lot of hotels have done really, really well last year and I think there's a general expectation that you know a lot of that positive momentum in terms of you know operating performance will carry into 2023 but we all know what happened on the flip side from a from an investment perspective with debt getting completely repriced and you know whilst there's been some easing of the significant volatility we've seen at the end of last year there's still 
that still has put pressure on, on real estate pricing. So you've got that paradigm, that shift between well-performing hotels, but real estate prices that are being repriced. And what does that mean in terms of transaction activity in the year to come? Because there's kind of this, I can almost talk about a seller-buyer valuation gap and what that's going to mean when loans come to, to maturity, people need to refinance and how people generally look at, at pricing and what that'll do to transaction activity. So do you think there may be more distress this year? Everyone's been predicting distress for the last three years. Absolutely. Everyone's predicting it so far. We're all kind of still waiting for it. That's why I said I'm curious how it's going to play out. I don't know yet. The obvious or logical answer would seem that, you know, yes, there has to be that point where where things shift and change because the way that debt's been repriced and what's therefore going to cost buyers to buy real estate. But let's see. People are coming out of 2022 on the back of great performances. So unless there's a need to, maybe not. Maybe not. So what would be your top three, even two tips for a young woman embarking on a similar career to yours? So maybe the most important one is to to not be afraid or not be hesitant to reach out and to connect with other senior leaders, both female or male, to, you know, connect get going on your mentorship or sponsorship journey, whatever it may be. Because, you know, whilst this may seem daunting, I think the vast majority of people will be more than happy to support young talent industry. And that includes young female talent in the industry. So not kind of be held off from from reaching out, making contact, asking for help and advice and getting somewhere. And maybe the second one is just to simply that if you feel like you're not getting the the support, the training, the mentoring that you think you need to progress and grow, it's totally okay to ask for it. Don't ask, don't get. And again, most companies will be more than happy to help. I think it's more the lack of realization than the lack of wanting to do something. Ask and speak up for yourself. Can't be any harm in it. Be bold. Exactly. So now it's like the end of Desert Island Discs, except that apart from casting you away to an island, I'm going to say, right, next week, we're going to cast you away to your favourite hotel for a week. What would your choice of hotel be? What would be your favourite hotel to be sent to? I've thought about this. It's not Amsterdam. Amsterdam, no? <laughs> no, can't, no, not, not Amsterdam. It, it's impossible to say. So many amazing places out there to go and see and visit. So that was a very diplomatic answer. So the hotel sector is so rich with wonderful choices. Well, it's true, isn't it? Anyway, Ina, that's the end of our conversation today. But I wanted to thank you very much for being the first person to join in this series of podcasts. Thank you for your very insightful answers to my questions. I think one of the most important things that you said for me is that need to focus on sponsorship and not be afraid to ask for it. And I think that's a really strong message that hopefully young women and indeed young men listening into the podcast today should take away with them. But thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Karen, for having me again. Pleasure. Have a very good 2023. Lots of exciting deals. And you. Thank you.